close, like, what like, kind of mic is it, like? You know, it's kind of just natural this okay okay you know clearly professional like yeah i was like at the beginning was like getting up really close and now i always have to like turn myself down so okay kind of just like a normal like okay three inches yeah cool i can do that yeah. it's funny i'm never behind a mic i'm kind of nervous i know right yeah <laughs> i have no reason to be nervous. okay <laughs> just sip some sip some vino mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is why performers are alcoholics exactly <laughs> they just gotta take a swig before yeah. they get behind the mic all right Want to get started? Let's rockin' and rollin', rockin and rollin'. baby. Yes, <laughs> baby. Um, so today we have Miss Hannah Boren, which is really exciting because she was kind of, kind of my first music industry mentor. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> we like. I think I met you at Bongo or something. We like did a little. You know, it was probably texted you. It was like, can I pick your brain? Uh-huh. Yeah. I was so yep. nervous. It sounds like very Monica test. Yes. <laughs> yep. And look where we are now. Look where we are now. Yeah. Both adults. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, your humble beginnings. My humble beginnings. Yes. All right. Yeah. You grew up, you grew up in Texas. Yes. Yeah. I grew up in West Texas. So okay. Amarillo to be exact. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like... Picture Breaking Bad. Yeah. Landscape. Mm-hmm. It's pretty Tumbleweedy. bleak. Yeah. Yeah. The Great Plains. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like when I look back on it, it, it kind of almost is like a 1950s childhood where it was just, you know, Amarillo is like a city, but not very big. Like right. there's about 200,000 people or so there. So yeah. it's like, you know, you have a few high schools, like, but it was just very much like riding my bike to my neighbor friend's house yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. You didn't ride your horse to the neighbor's house. Didn't ride a horse. <laughs> right. Didn't have or a horse. School. Yeah. No, not to school. Didn't yeah. know anybody who owns horses, actually. Yeah. I know. I feel like I love the Texas stereotype where it's just like, I know, you know. But it is true. Like, cowboy boots are like the number one, like, dress up shoe for men. And that's <laughs> something I'm like. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But. I'm like, I thought that was totally normal growing up. Yeah. I mean, noted, like, I live in Nashville now where, but still, bigger metropolises don't typically have a ton of cowboy boots. Exactly. Yeah, because I I remember, I mean, I never owned cowboy boots, and some Mm -hmm. of the girls would, but, like, especially the guys, if they were, like, you know, getting ready Mm -hmm. to go out on the town, Mm -hmm. they're putting on their cowboy boots. I know, boot up. Yeah, boot up. (laughs) (laughs) Boot up. oh Oh, she's so great that was so good i actually saw her for the first time um on snl like i didn't know who she was or her songs or anything cool and she played snl and i was like who is this this? yeah yeah i think i heard boot up and then just went to her album and was like yeah fell in love was it anything like friday night lights did you watch it i did watch friday night lights big fan yeah Actually, yes. Right? I mean, Amarillo is a bit of a bigger town, but it's still, yeah, there are some big similarities. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I think Friday Night Lights might do the best job, like, encapsulating how football, well, sports in general, but football mainly, like, controls everything. Yes. I mean, it's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And people who play football are celebrities in town. And like... (laughs) And like these high schoolers are like running the town. Exactly. Yeah. And like, 
you know, growing up, it's just so funny because I thought that was everything. And now I'm like, those are kids. Like even watching college sports games, I'm like, I'm older than everybody. Yeah. That was a weird shift watching college football and being like, wow. Yeah. Like I'm past that stage and they look like they're like, you know, super grown people, but they're younger than me. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, it, there are some similarities, but I also went to a very small private school. Okay. So did I. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, I wasn't completely thrown into all that stuff, yeah. but it was definitely just a part of the air of totally. Texas. Yeah. I I grew up in Fort Worth and that was, you know, it's like the 12th biggest city in America. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, I always, you know, thought Fort Worth was so small, which is funny now, but, um, you know, of course, Fort Worth had its like Texas there and they have the stockyards and the Billy Bobs and all that stuff. Yep. But really when we would like drive out to like to go to the lake or whatever we drive through these towns and my mom would like put on devil town and we just put on the friday night soundtrack because it was just perfect and we go to the like the walmart and the Mm -hmm. dairy queen and everything Mm -hmm. it was just like yeah yeah no totally i mean i hung out i can't tell you how many hundreds of hours i spent at a sonic yeah exactly like and people who don't grow up in texas are like i think is sonic outside of texas Oh yeah, it feels like yeah, it is here. But it just felt like it felt very like like a like hanging on those tables every day after school, Mm -hmm. getting you know like the grid marks in your skin from sitting on those those, like like, kind of plasticky, cementy, perforated benches. Yeah, yeah, whatever the word is. But um, (laughs) you're like sure, (laughs) perforated, perforated. Sounds right. You know. Yeah. 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 I. When I moved here, it was funny because I didn't think that I was super Texan or stuff, but I would just mention things and people would be like, what? And then you realize like, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, you know, we'd have our like howdy dance and they're like, howdy dance? Oh, I actually don't know what that is. <laughs> so that was like always the first dance back from school. So like oh. it was like right before homecoming. Okay. It was called the howdy dance. And I just like said that one time, like just flippantly. And someone was like, howdy? Like, Okay. <laughs> that's so funny yeah i mean i definitely like during my time in new york Mm -hmm. i really got called out a lot for saying y'all yeah like i didn't realize how much it's a part of my vocabulary yeah um yeah our new york um family and friends make fun of us a lot yeah they've they've done it less because now i feel like it's cooler Uh uh-huh you know it's it's less of like a regional thing it's kind of slang but yeah y'all is very did you like growing up in Texas? Yeah, I mean, I I did like it, mm-hmm. but I also didn't know anything else, right? Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I had good friends mm-hmm. and stayed very busy. Um, and, you know, I, I have three siblings, so that was always fun. Like, just, you have three friends and three play partners, basically. Yeah. And I'm also, well, actually, I'm a twin, so. Oh, yeah, I forget that. So, you know, that's so having somebody your own age all growing up was just always having a companion and yeah. a friend. It's super know? special. Y'all get to share like everything, every yeah. milestone together. And, yeah. You know. I mean, and that, of course, you know, brought its own difficulties. Like as sure. a kid, you don't want to share. You don't want to share a birthday party. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> you don't want to always have to be sharing rooms right. and all those kind of things. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm I'm very grateful to be a twin and yeah. I love her very much. So fun. And it's been cool to like see you know, how we were so really similar growing up and had mm-hmm. very kind of similar interests. And then the older we've gotten, the more we've really 
delved into our own lives yeah. and like what we do now, our day to days look completely and utterly different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What does she do? She is a nurse and training to be a midwife. Very cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. So she, she works, um, in labor and delivery at St. Thomas mm-hmm. in Nashville. And then also baby and co, which is like a really great, uh, kind of midwifery place. Cool. So she, you know, delivers five or so babies a day. A day. And that's, yeah, that's her That's day. amazing. You know, wow. it's, it's incredible. And she's really passionate about educating women about what childbirth means and yeah. how it ultimately, you know, it's a very, it's kind of the most empowering, at least on the nose, empowering thing a woman can do is totally. bringing life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, especially in the States, it's kind of, is viewed as something just to get through. Yeah. And so Haley, my sister, you know, really talks about how empowering and beautiful it is and how it shouldn't be stigmatized. And you don't have to have drugs. If you want drugs, you can totally have them, but you don't have to. Yeah. Your body is built strong enough to do this, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so she's, you know, kind of helping shift some some mindsets. And so But cool. yeah, I'm just, I'm really proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I have people that are like, I can't wait to be pregnant. And I'm kind of like, I'm not like, I'm yeah. like excited to have kids, but I'm not, but like you forget mm. that, um, those nine months are like, it's like the coolest thing ever. No, it totally is. Yeah. You know, and it, the kind of the older I've gotten and, you know, it's like, I turned 27 last week. Okay. So I'm oh, kind happy of, birthday. thank you. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, kind of around the age where you start yeah. thinking about kids. I'm yes. in, you know, no place to have kids right now, but the more I think about it, I, I don't feel as a woman mm-hmm. that, you know, a way I need to live that out is by being pregnant. I've never felt that way. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't feel this longing to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. I think I probably will never carry a, chi- a child Yeah, and I want to have kids, yeah. you know, but like for me, like that's something I could like pass on. And for other women, it's like, oh, I just, I want to, I, you know, yes. I feel this, this, this movement in me that wants it so much, you know? And I've just never really felt that way. Yeah. And I'm still fully woman, you know? Totally. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And like, you know, my twin sister is, she, she has a almost two year old now and, um, is pregnant again. So, you know, she's, it's, it's interesting to kind of, you know, walk side by side her in all of that, um, and experience it just as her sister. Yeah. It's really cool. And, you know, um, I should mention she has a wonderful husband mm-hmm. who is completely there yeah. <laughs> um, for all the support and everything. Yes, but, we um, love you, husbands. We love you, husbands. <laughs> <laughs> so who were you in high school and kind of how did you discover kind of your interests and, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. Who was I in high school? I mean, I was, I think kind of the biggest characteristic of who I was in high school was just excellence trying Mm -hmm. to excel yeah trying to achieve Mm -hmm. and I think that's a natural part of my personality but like school just fed into that like nothing else because I mean it's amazing like if you're somebody who needs gratification you're getting instant gratification or discipline right (laughs) or bad (laughs) yeah or disappointment all the time all the time yeah multiple times a day yeah by getting back test scores or a teacher saying good job that was the right answer whatever raising Mm -hmm. your hand and blowing away a teacher like I loved that shit yeah Yeah. I loved that and you know I genuinely loved learning Mm -hmm. um but you know I went to a very small private school my graduating class was 10 
people. What? One oh, ten people. That's good. So mine was ninety, and I tell people that, and they're like, "Whoa." Yeah, 10. 10 this people. is crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And like the school's grown, it's doing great, but it was kind of still <laughs> in the beginning stages. Okay. Yeah. Um so yeah, it was super small, but because of that, I was I really did everything. Kind of a big fish in a small pond. Exactly. Yeah. So I played basketball. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, the the leading point guard in basketball. Yes. I played volleyball. I did all the academic competitions. I was the president of the Latin club. Yes. What? Like, what? <laughs> I was in Latin club, Why? I think. <laughs> yeah. Not the president, though. Yeah. No, but I just did so, so many different things. Yeah. And, I mean, looking back on high school, like, it was a sweet time, but it also, it's an overwhelming time to oh, me. Oh, yeah. Like, I felt like, and it wasn't even really my parents like pressuring me I mean it was their whole thing was you can do well Mm -hmm. therefore you will exactly yeah so like it's not like we're forcing you to get straight A's Mm -hmm. but you can so you will that's right exactly how my parents were yeah yeah it's like you can do this so why are you because yeah it's (laughs) like not living to your potential basically right exactly so and you know they I was homeschooled until I was in eighth grade okay yeah so I definitely was used to kind of like self-discipline, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I honestly don't know if I've been as tired in my life as I was senior year of high school. Yeah. Like I was so incredibly overwhelmed yeah. and was way overcommitted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had roles like in like my sports and my academic stuff, like I was kind of expected to carry some things, mm-hmm. like to do really well. And you so were one of the 10. Right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so I couldn't I couldn't slack off on anything. And yeah. not that I really wanted to, but I just had no space for rest or anything like that, yeah. you know? So um, it's kind of crazy how yeah. much I did in high school yeah. looking back. I know. My sister and I were talking about that recently. We're like, we'd get up and go to like early uh-huh. morning choir and then go to like six classes. Like four of those were APs. And then we'd like yep. go to like play practice or basketball practice yep. and then go to dance class when we got home like it was just like yeah crazy. exactly then go to choir yep. and then you have a basketball game and then you and spend then apply the last... to 10 colleges it's apply to 10 colleges yeah. make sure to be studying for all your ap tests on top of like act and SATs. yes god don't even oh yeah. ap test that's the hardest i've there i have not studied more in college than i did no for those ap tests oh no 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 not at all like it's just crazy yeah i i worked and studied way harder and high school oh absolutely yeah absolutely and you know it's also the whole setup is like this really like kind of just like this idea that you're pursuing like you are setting up the rest of your life right now yeah exactly so you have to make a five on this ap test or that's gonna affect what college major you can be and what this and this and then what job you get and what like it's just crazy like how and I was told that by so many teachers and just... And it's weird because it's like, yeah, we put too much pressure on ourselves and like you could have gotten probably a four on that AP and would yeah. have been fine. Mm-hmm. But I think about, you know, college and how important that was at the time. And like we chose Belmont and guess where we still are? We're in Nashville and look at what it all it led to. So it's like it was a super important decision. Yes. But all the little details, we just obsessed over and we didn't need to exactly yeah exactly you know and I think also 
in high school, I was definitely trying to feel a sense of control over yes. my life where yeah. you're, you know, you're starting to get older, but you're true. You're not an adult in any way. Yeah. I thought I was, but I was not in any way. But, you know, you're trying to be able to control what you can before yeah. this big ab- abyss of college degree, life, work, yeah. like that kind of sits ahead of you apart from your parents mm-hmm. and your hometown. That's that, so true because it's like there's so many external factors when you move to college or you go that right. like you can't control. Right. Whereas in that environment, you can control all of these things. So, of course, you're going to obsess over it. And, exactly. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it's more, it's almost like obsessing over like building the pieces of this ladder to like climb out. Yeah. But you don't know where it's leading. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's so weird to like now like look back on all of that. It and, really is. Yeah. But it's cool to see like what everything led to at the same time. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like honestly kind of a fluke that I went to Belmont. Really? And that's yeah. How really... did that? Yeah. So my senior year, um, I really was kind of set on going to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. I had a scholarship in their honors English program. Cool. And I was going to do a minor in business and I was, and just looking back at it, I'm like, that is such a terrible fit, but that's how little I knew myself in high school. You know, I was like, Oh, some cool people go to A&M, whatever. You know, now I look at it and I'm like, college station seems like one of the worst cities in America for me personally to live in. (laughs) Yeah. I hate pretty much everything about it. Yep. Um, (laughs) Well, and all it is is A&M. I mean, exactly. There's nothing there. Yes, there's, there's no history, no, no culture, no, you know, it's just non-existent. No. And, like, that's what I thought I wanted, yeah. you know? And um, I had a couple teachers who knew me super well, mm-hmm. who, who really, really knew me and kind of got me, I think, more than I understood myself. You know, and they, they kind of gently were like, are, are you sure? Like, <laughs> A&M, it just seems like such a kind of... I don't know, like vanilla place for you to be. Yeah. You seem to have larger interests than that, you know? And I was like, no, no, it'll be great. And I I couldn't even really see outside of Texas. Yeah. And then um, I was talking with one of those teachers and he just said, you know, I had a student of mine who went to Belmont and she did music business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know you love music and, you know, I was very was super into music Mm -hmm. and just like listening and playing and everything like I just in high school it was a big part of what were you playing uh, I was just like playing guitar Mm -hmm. and all that stuff but um I I took guitar lessons from like six to 16 about so for a while yeah yeah um and I just when I wasn't doing something I had to do I'd be playing guitar like I loved it I played hours a day if I could Mm -hmm. I loved it I loved it um but yeah, he was like, you know, I had a student go to Belmont and I was like, huh, I think I've heard of that, but I had no idea. So, you know, fast forward, I ended up connecting and just sending a bunch of emails back and forth with that student mm-hmm. um, or his ex-student who had graduated from Belmont. And I was just kind of like, this is cool. Yeah. So it's a business degree, but, you but know, kind of with an emphasis in music, you know, yeah. and I had no idea even what that meant. Exactly. But, you know, my parents were like, that's cool. It's a business degree. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. There's music in it, you right. know, yeah, and exactly. there's some sort of practicality, I guess. Right. Um, that's always the pull for Belmont. It's like, I'm going for songwriting, <laughs> but it's in the music business school. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which, you know, I mean, now it's like, what does a music business degree even exactly. mean? Right. But, um, yeah, so I visited Belmont during spring break of that year and I was like yeah yeah I want to go and 
I got admitted and I got a scholarship, which yes. doesn't happen much at Belmont. Nope. So I was kind of like, this is fate, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was a big deal, you know, for me to move outside of Texas. Yeah. And my twin was going to a nursing school in West Texas. Mm-hmm. So she was staying and, you know, I was going to a state that we didn't have any friends or family in, you know, it was, yeah. it was kind of a thing. Yeah. So, um, but I, I mean, looking back, that's, I'm most grateful for that decision to move to Belmont Same. Um, or to move to Nashville and to attend Belmont because it just completely and utterly blew open my world. Right. Yeah. I feel like it, it really allows you to be yourself and mm-hmm. you, I mean, <laughs> I saw an old picture from high school the other and I'm wearing like a blue Ralph Lauren shirt mm-hmm. and like a belt and like white shorts and it's like it's not like I don't didn't like that then right. but I I wouldn't be allowed to wear something that I would wear at Belmont right you now <laughs> which right. is just like crazy no totally yeah. I mean and it was huge for me to be able to have an identity outside of being a twin and being Haley's twin sure um yeah because you know also growing up the biggest negative of being a twin was, you know, that you literally have kind of a copy that people can judge you in comparison to. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, somebody who you should, who's fatter. Yeah. Who's taller, who's shorter, who's tanner, who's blonder, who's more athletic, who's smarter. I mean, it's just natural. Yeah. It's like naturally people do that, but I just, you know, always had this, this kind of copy to myself that, and I was also just mentally doing that in my head. I always kind of wanted to keep, keep a tabs on how I was doing in relation to her, which is such a sad way to like look at a relationship. But I think it was immaturity brought out of, brought out of fear. Totally. Yeah. Um, but you know, that was huge for people to not even know I was a twin Yeah. and I was just Hannah yeah from texas Mm -hmm. you know yeah um and so that really allowed me like i i just remember my first year after college coming back home and you know i kind of found my style like it was a big moment for me when i realized what i like to wear what i felt good in yeah and i came back home and my parents and family were like whoa you look great you oh, know good. they weren't like yeah <laughs> they were what did nashville do to you yeah no they were like you look so good you like actually have fashion we had no yes. idea and i was like yeah because i didn't know who i was exactly how are you supposed to dress yourself which i mean dressing is basically telling people what you think of yourself and how you want to be seen by the world yeah whether you think about it or not it's true you know and i had no idea the answer to either of those questions so i i always had just dressed to just blend in if I could oh yeah yeah I mean I feel like Texas was so so much about uniformity absolutely not about individuality at all absolutely yeah yeah of course and so it was just really about fitting in and also you know and like I do my gender like being Mm -hmm. a woman very differently than my twin does yeah you know yeah um where I have short hair and I love wearing boots and slacks and really good jackets and blazers and you know don't lean too far into makeup or jewelry like yeah and those are all these things that I've kind of discovered as I've allowed myself um to explore that and think of what how I want to look yeah and not just how other was others want me to look to fit into that that's awesome Uh, but that's just yeah a small example um of just how much I changed 
tell me about you know graduating and where you found yourself because I feel like that's always the weirdest time yeah because it's not like you know you graduate from high school and you have this plan and stuff I mean sometimes you do right yeah right well I was really really fortunate um you know most people I graduated with were graduating without a job or a prospect and you know had that massive anxiety of Mm -hmm. like rent's due next month what am I gonna do yeah you know um but thankfully I had started an internship at noise trade which is where we met yes um but I was their first intern I had actually studied them in an entrepreneurship class um I had studied their business model and written like a 30 page paper on them as, as a company. Wow. So then that's, after that's quite a job well, application. Well, exactly. So yeah. after, <laughs> after that class, um, I went to the, the president and I said, you know, I know your company. Yeah. I've, I've written. <laughs> yeah. Just like down here's paper. my paper. Boom. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here, here are ideas I have, here yeah. are strengths I could bring here, are questions I have, you know, I, I'm interested. And so they, they went ahead and were like, yeah, sure, you can work for us for free. Yeah. You can intern. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow, what an honor. Um, but because of that, you know, I was I, I got in early enough where um, I graduated in December of 2013. Okay. And I had been interning for Noise Trade for um, at least six months, I think longer at that point. So they knew me well. And they were like, let's just bring you on. You know, yeah. let's start paying you. And the company was growing um so yeah I it was very seamless for me upon graduation yeah which is very fortunate totally yeah yeah I didn't have to have that restaurant job while I was looking for other things and stuff yeah so it's nice yeah um so you moved into an artist relations Mm -hmm. role um Mm -hmm. and I mean you worked with so many artists right Mm -hmm. yeah what were some of your favorites that you worked with my friend Ethan um I mean, he's become a friend now. He wasn't back then, but I love uh, that Noise Trade does that. <laughs> I know. You reach out to these people, and then you see him at like it's a more coffee like shop. Music like, industry. Hey, we yeah. emailed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I remember him like sending me Betty Who's first EP. Oh my gosh! And you know, I was like, "Whoa, this is different." You yeah. know, like, and she's huge now. Yeah. You know, and it's just been cool to kind of. I got to help her out when she was yeah. a little baby. Um, but also, I remember Lucius. That was a big one for me. Yes. I was really, we ran a feature on them, and that was really cool. Um, who else? We did, like, an Ani DeFranco one, which is just so funny to me. Because, like, <laughs> in middle, like, early high school, I loved her. Like, I yeah. really got into that kind of, like, grunge folk thing mm-hmm. that she did. Um, so that was kind of cool. But, yeah, it, you know, Noise Trade was awesome in that it, like, because we naturally, you know, run a lot of artists feature campaigns, like I got to work with a lot of artists, managers, record labels, publicity people. Um, and so, you know, it kind of, I kind of quickly was able to kind of build up a Rolodex yeah, in a way totally. of uh, people who are kind of movers and shakers in the industry and not yeah. that I was their best friend or anything, but <laughs> you know, that, that has made a, it continues to be a great resource for me in a network. Totally. So, yeah, you f- you forget you think those people are untouchable and then like you're emailing with them and they're like, come see me if you're in Brooklyn. And you're like, oh, I'm a- I'm allowed to get coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and it's kind of like the paradigm shift of whenever you get out of school and you start actually working in the industry that it's like these people actually are my colleagues. Yeah. 
Like, they're not my professors. Right. Like, they're my colleagues. Like, we're working on the same thing, basically, yeah. you know, in different ways. Totally. Um. So, yeah, that was kind of a big realization. Like, I don't have to go into these meetings with fear. Like, we're all exactly. trying to figure this out. Right. Like, I need to stop thinking of myself as, like, 16 all the time. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, I'm actually, like, a working professional now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, you know, getting the confidence with that as well. Right. Yeah. It's not, I feel like, you know, fake until you make it is, like, not exactly it. It's more, like, just presenting yourself kind of in the best way or mm-hmm. at least you know and maybe it's faking it a little bit but you also have that foundation of yeah yeah exactly i mean i don't think you can like success really successfully fake it until you make it unless you have some kind of belief in that what you're doing is right. okay right you can't be like um billy mcfarland or something. yeah yeah that yeah. leads to two documentaries on you yeah and yeah. a shit ton of lawsuits yes yeah yeah did you watch both of them I did. I, did I watched too. both the fire documentaries. Yeah. yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, it was fun. I watched, I watched like one with one roommate and then another with another roommate yeah. and one knew nothing about it. And it was really? the one that was like leading up to it. And she was like, I'm just like, I know that they don't go, but like, it seems it's like getting really close. And I was just like, they do like go. oh, they do go. Oh, though. they go. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember like when it was happening. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's, it's like one of those things where Sometimes I get tired of seeing everybody succeed. Yes. And I love to just see a great crash and burn. Same. Just failure. Yes. Just the dirtiest, most flippant failure. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. It's just great. Yeah. It's it's cathartic. It is. <laughs> it's like, wow, like I know for a fact I could never screw up that badly. Exactly. Yeah. That sets the bar really high. <laughs> yeah. Or really low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it also just like, you know, you're laughing at it and then you're like, maybe I should feel bad. And then you're like, it's all these like rich, privileged white people. I don't, it's, I'm going to keep laughing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and a lot of them were like, yeah, fault. I was an idiot. Like, oh yeah. You know, it's completely their fault. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Tell me about moving to New York and you know, why you moved there and everything. Yeah. So during Belmont, I had, um, studied for a semester in New York and Belmont East. Belmont East. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's New York. Like, right. my world was just blown open. I, it just is incredible. Like, yeah. I just was like, food, music, art. <laughs> shake Shack. Yeah, Shake Shack. <laughs> um, no, but just all the different types Pitches. of people. And, you yes. know, you take a train and there's, there's a Hasidic man on your left yep. and then a gay couple making out on your right. <laughs> yep. And then... Oof. You know, this incredible little family, like this little white family, and like they're the minority on the train. You know, it's just, it's great. And like Hannah Boren, who grew up in West (laughs) Texas, needed that. Yes. Needed that. I mean, New York, my time in New York has informed my worldviews more than anything else. That's awesome. At all. Yeah. More than anything else. Um, But yeah, so I was kind of itching to get back Mm because I spent that semester in New York, came back to Nashville, graduated itching to get like you know i want to move there i want to do it yes um so noise trade got bought by pledge music right spoiler pledge music is it's going under going down yeah yeah um do a google search on them it's yeah. very fun you can find them in all the industry newsletters <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but we had just been bought and pledge was based out of new york and so i was like perfect yes I'll move up to New York, work out of your offices. Great. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that went well. I think within the first week, I was like, oh, no, this is wrong. This was the wrong decision. Really? Not Why? moving to New York, but um, 
working out of those pledge offices. Yeah. Just because, I mean, the enti- just the entire ethos was totally different than what it felt like it became a sales job and mm. not um, an artist advocacy job. Yeah. Which is what it kind of always felt like. It felt like I was doing something very helpful for, you know, really a curated group of artists. And yeah. then it just felt like it became like really a sales job. Yeah. Didn't care about the art at all. It just cared about views and numbers. clicks. And, yeah. 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 Um, so and I was, analytics. And, yeah. yeah. So I was pretty unhappy pretty quick. Yeah. And I would take any excuse I could to not go in the office or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, I was not passionate about it anymore at all. But I was doing it. I was doing my work. But I, I wasn't happy with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So did you keep working there? Or did you yeah. move on to new things? Or? Yeah. I moved yeah. on to new things. I um, very randomly became a personal assistant to a pop artist yes big pop artist might have heard of her might have heard of her yeah um no it was lord yes um what's so you, and it her full name is very long isn't it yeah it's like, yella uh, sorry ella <laughs> yella yella <laughs> ella yella joe connor yes wow okay. yeah high last name yeah Ella, I forget her middle name now. Because um, you would talk to me sometimes about it, and you'd be like, yeah, so Ella and I, and I was like, who's Ella? And yeah, I was like, oh, well, right, I never called her Lord. Like, like why <laughs> would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> so that's not her name. No. Um, yeah, so that was, you know, a really cool job, really cool opportunity. I, you know, I, I did sign a non-disclosure agreement, um, so I can't talk a ton about the specifics totally. I did during it, yeah. or I could be sued. Ramp. Um On my super popular podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, it's funny. I actually, I was working for her for like a couple months, and because of like, you know, I like went to music business school, mm-hmm. I, I just told her manager, I was like, look, like, I feel like you probably want me to sign a non-disclosure agreement <laughs> to protect like, you. <laughs> you know, I was like, you hey. know, I'm not going to do anything, but it, shouldn't that happen? <laughs> like, and he was like, oh, shit, you haven't signed one yet? Like, my oh, assistant wow. was supposed to send it to you and didn't. You know, so he's yeah. like, thank you for saying something. Yeah, you know? glad, I bet he appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I could have I could have gotten away. I could have be telling you all of her secrets. Yeah, um, so close. I know. Well, no, it was it was a great job. I mean, she is, she is an incredible person truly um really well grounded hardworking, kind funny um I feel like I'm being so stereotypical right now but she she truly is a phenomenal person and I have all the respect in the world for her Mm -hmm. and especially for somebody you know who became famous incredibly famous so young and so quick yeah was she 16 or I think so yeah. yeah With Royals, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, and it just kind of hit all of a sudden. Yeah. Because my, my little neighbor that mm-hmm. I was, like, vocal coaching over the summer showed me Royals. Oh, wow. And I was like, wait, dang, this is actually really cool. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was, like, you know, 25 or whatever. And then I was like, oh, shit. Child. Yeah. Yeah. Child. yeah so, I mean, considering all of that, like, typically people, you know, who get famous young and quick mm-hmm. don't do very well in life and aren't very grounded. But yeah. that was the exact opposite. Totally. Um just incredibly grounded yeah wonderful knows who she is knows what she wants to say that's awesome um so yeah it was was really great but you know that it was it was such a high time in my life and then living um, large living large you know meeting famous people sure doing cool stuff doing snl doing all that cool stuff did any of that like go to your head or was it more just like you were kind of like starry-eyed the whole time since it was short or yeah well it's it's funny because like Whenever I got the job, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of, 
in like a very nerdy way, but I, you know, I just kind of wrote down like what, what do I want out of this? Yeah. And like, who am I going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, because I knew that it would be really easy to be like, you know, I'm the inner circles of one of the biggest artists in the world right now. Right. I'm you a know, hot like shot. I'm a hotshot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which and, you I know, can't see you ever getting to that place. No, but <laughs> Right. But, you know, I really was like, I need to be on top of this. Mm-hmm. And what I was mainly worried about was wrapping my identity up in the job. So I knew I wasn't going to be like some like terrible asshole. Like, right. But I was worried about that. Becoming and like a workaholic kind of. Well, yeah. And just like putting a lot of my self-worth in having like, you know, kind of like a cool job yeah that tons of people would want to do totally you know yeah. and having access to this like whatever famous person right you want um, to be the that best at everything even if it's like getting her a bagel you're like right. i'm gonna get her the best bagel yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and just you know just putting a lot of my self-worth in just kind of the status yeah. of that because mm-hmm. um you know also part of that world is just a lot of money yeah like there, there's a lot of money and you know so we were just it's just crazy what money brings and kind of um not that I was making a ton of money but I was around you know these people who are incredibly wealthy and successful yeah. um and just you know life works a little bit differently when you have a lot of money yes <laughs> looks a little see different things differently yeah I mean yeah. and like everywhere we would go some days like I was like I- I've never seen places this nice yeah. yeah you know yeah like it's just and just kind of the cycle of that like if you have money then you have to buy nice things you have to take care of your nice things you have to hire people to take care of your nice things Mm -hmm. you have to hire people to manage the people who are taking care of your nice things you know (laughs) it's just yeah it's crazy you know and it's and then you're you're always trying to grow on that wealth and that image um so that you know that was probably the least favorite part of my experience was I, i am a little bit uncomfortable like um just even like you know super super nice hotels yeah um I just would always feel kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, the staff is always incredible and they're, they're just at your beck and call. And like, it, I don't know, there's just something where I kind of was like, no, I'm you. Like, right. No, don't, we're on the same we're level. On the same not, le- yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that just kind of messed with my head and just to see like, you know, the wealthiest people get all the free things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like strange, but so true. Yeah. Um, because you're an influencer and people, mm-hmm. you know, want you to have their stuff. But, um, yeah, but honestly, I, I didn't realize, kind of circling back, how much of my identity I, I ended up putting in that job yeah. um, is when I lost it. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, her management called me in and things were going really well. And I had um, really, truly only gotten really positive feedback. So yeah. I was completely, you know, completely shocked mm-hmm. and surprised. But, you know, they, they changed the role. They they told us, you know, we changed this role that we hired you to do and it no longer fits and here are the reasons why. And, you know, yeah. Um I started weeping yeah. in front of my boss. I'm sure. Um yeah. I was completely floored and yeah, I ran out of the office and you know, I immediately went to a Walgreens and bought a pair of sunglasses mm-hmm. that I still have. I actually keep on my work desk as a reminder. To, like, so I was crying so much. Oh. Yeah, I was crying. I just was like, and I'm not a crier. Yeah. I just was so completely caught off guard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were we were about to go to Europe. Like, I was, I was packing for that. Like, it's yeah. just, it's crazy. 
Um, and you know, I have no ill will towards them or her. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably never should have been a personal assistant ever. <laughs> I mean, I'm not <laughs> a career personal assistant. Like it's right. weird that I got the job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, I'm, I mean, and thankfully, like whenever I was let go or we can just say it, we can just say fired. Yeah. Whatever. Just say the I know. fucking word. It's like they passed away. No, they died. Yeah. They <laughs> deceased. Right. Um, my job deceased. My job deceased. Whenever that happened. No. Um, but you know, like. They they knew that it, it wasn't my fault yeah. and that they, they were the ones who were changing things around. So yeah. they gave me a nice severance. Nice. Um, yeah, it was so nice because it gave me some time, you know, to kind to of figure, figure things out. out. Like I could I could live a few months on it, That's you know, great. at least. Um, it's cool because I'm just thinking about what you said, you know, who you were in high school. It's like yeah. just this achiever mentality mm-hmm. all the time and like. And so it's probably, and I'm sure you still, you know, are that way now and like you feel that way, but mm-hmm. when literally your job is to fulfill all of these needs and be perfect at everything mm-hmm. and then it gets cut out from you, mm-hmm. that's got to be the most like crippling thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I really went into an existential just, I don't even know the right word. Yeah. Whirlwind. Yeah. Spiral. Spiral. Yeah. That's it. Just because... I realized, like, yeah, since <laughs> forever ago, yeah. I have been putting so much of my identity into excelling mm-hmm. and achieving and being fired. I mean, I had never even been hardly reprimanded in a job. Yeah. I did not know what to do. Yeah. I. I mean, it felt like I didn't know who I was as a person, what I wanted to do with my life. And whenever I was feeling those things, I was like super freaked out because I was like, holy crap, Hannah. Like you have really set yourself up for this one. Yeah. You know, because this was right. going to happen. At it was going to happen at some point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, honestly, now I'm so grateful it did. Yeah. Because, you know, I took those few months mm-hmm. and it really was just a prolonged like look in the mirror of like okay so you failed like yeah. you failed you have to like say it to yourself yeah. you failed and so who are you yeah who's hannah Bort? Mm-hmm. like what what do you want what are you interested in what do you love right like what what is in your life that defines you other than check marks yeah. And checks. Because if you're, yeah, if your passion is achieving, you're never going to be happy. It's not a real passion. But if you're, pa- yeah, it's not even a real passion. Your passion has to be something that's fulfilling. And then when you achieve within that, then. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, you know, I mean, that job loss, it like definitely completely struck away my confidence. Totally. But it couldn't take away my drive. Like, I think things can take away your confidence, but not your drive. Love that. Yeah. And. So, you know, I was very much beaten down and was like, I'll never work in the industry again. You know, and, I mean, for. granted, I was 25. I'm right, still so super young, young you yeah. know, but I just was like, everything's over. Of course. Um, and so I decided to step back from the music industry for a bit. I was a dog walker. Yeah. I can honestly say it was the best job I've ever had. Really? Yeah. That's so fun. It was so simple. Was and that in so New York? fun. Yeah, yeah. In New York. How many and dogs at a time? 
I only did one dog at a time. Mm. It was like through an app. I'm I wasn't like, like a. These, like, I know. Eight dogs. I I'm like, wish, dude. <laughs> I, like, I that wish. That sounds really stressful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but, you know, I just, I would ride my bike to these dogs' houses. Yeah. I called the dogs my clients to feel better about my life. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, I'm going to see a client. Right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, this is a client. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I would just walk dogs and listen to podcasts. Yes. Um, listen to NPR. And I really fell in love with New York. Mm-hmm. Um, walking different neighborhoods and getting to know different people that way. And it just gave me that time to breathe, yeah. you know, and be like, okay, like <laughs> Hannah Bourne is a person yep. who exists she aside. A human. A, yes. And <laughs> apart from <laughs> jobs or money yeah. or accomplishments, you know, like here she is yeah. and she has a very valid life, Totally, you know, and she deserves love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's when I really started kind of practicing like religious kind of self self care, like cool. really trying to stay on top of that kind of stuff and, you know, giving my time, giving myself time to rest if I needed it or mm-hmm. if I was feeling anxious sometime alone, you know, like things that I, I realized what helped me. Um, and it was an interesting time because it was like very cathartic, but I also was like freaking out because I thought I was wasn't ever gonna get another job. <laughs> yeah, you're like this is great, but I'm also still. Well, I didn't yeah. know what was next. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, yeah, it's very interesting because it, it was such a short time. You know, I I only worked for Ella for like eight months, okay, nine months, yeah, or something like that. Um, and then I was only unemployed for two months, three months. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like it, it feels. It was, it was just such a, um, just a catalyst for emotional grief and growth. Yes. That's awesome. And personal grief and growth. And yeah. And I met all of my best friends almost like my New York best friends. I met them during that time because I actually had time to hang out. Right. Yeah. I was actually interested. (laughs) Yeah. You weren't like thinking about everything and yeah. 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 No, I mean. It was just incredible. Yeah. And like you you can't take your work home when you're walking dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. you do your task and you're done. You yeah. Know? Like that's kind of why like you drop your client off. You're done. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like part of me just wants to be like a lawnmower. I know. Right. Forever. Just simple just, handy yeah. work. Seriously. And yeah. it's like there's a task and you do it and you can see that it's done. And yep. that's it. I know. It's so satisfying. Do you watch Parks and Rec? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about Ron Swanson. Oh, like, totally, dude. Just like, doesn't it feel so good to mm-hmm. accomplish something? To just like fix a sink? I'm like, yeah, it's so great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, I would hate it if I did it <laughs> right. professionally. But yeah, there's something in the simplicity. Yes. Um, a routine and things that I really held on to yeah. during my time without a real job. Yeah. Not that dog marking is not a real job, but I wasn't working like 40 hours a week. Like I was totally. just doing it when I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy that, like, I mean, first of all, how much worth we put in achieving, but also just staying busy. Yep. Like, it could not even be, you know, valuable things, but you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm busy. So that's my identity. So it's like, I'm thinking about if I was unemployed for two months, I'd go crazy because I yeah. wasn't busy. Not yep. even that I wasn't, like, achieving and doing something well. It's just, like, we just being busy and, like, distracting ourselves is also where we place our worth, which makes no sense. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think 
I think busyness gets in the way of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, which is ironic because you're like, the definition of being busy is doing things. But right. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people use it as a cop out to doing what they really want to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I I struggle so much with like, I always have a podca- podcast on or I'm listening to music or I'm, you know, whatever. And I like, yeah. was doing laundry the other day and I didn't put on music or a podcast mm-hmm. and I was like, I am just folding my clothes in yeah. here. And it was like the most like peaceful thing. I was like, wow. you don't need to like do it as fast as you can. Right. So you can, you know, just. And you don't need to consume fold your like, clothes. while you're doing it. Just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just be here. No, so, totally. Yeah. Totally. So yeah. And I, yeah, I had a ton of free hands, uh, yeah. free time on my hands. Like yeah. I, free hands. <laughs> and free hands. Yeah. And I free mean, hands. <laughs> when you're yeah, not walking the dog. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it was, it was interesting to be that friend where someone's like, Hey, can you hang out? And I'm like, yes yes when and where yeah anytime i'm yeah free. that's the best when you can just be like what works for you i'm i'm free. I'm literally completely free yeah yeah i saw so many movies alone oh that's the it best. was great so great it was so great yeah like oh man yeah it's a good so time it's a good time so what brought you back to nashville and kind of yeah in that time what made you feel like you know, made you learn that this was the place that you need to be. Yeah. Um, so I think it was kind of like nearing the end of a month of not having a job. And I was not that I, you know, had to make the cash, but I just, I was feeling really antsy. Yeah. Um, and kind of trying to lock some stuff down and I had thrown out a ton of lines and had a couple little bites and offers of stuff that I wasn't really sure about. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got an offer, from a manager at red light management um who's now my boss Um, but he was desperately needing a day-to-day manager somebody to take over day-to-day operations he had never he hadn't had a day-to-day before is he had just really grown his client list and his clients were doing well and it was just way too much work so he was desperate to bring somebody on because how many did he have um at that point uh I think like five mm-hmm. artists, which I mean That's is a, a considerable amount of number. Like for one person, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was four or five, I think. So, um, yeah, he he offered me a jo- the job, mm-hmm. and you know he was like, "You'll you'll be a day to day." You know, it's a lot. It's all the kind of day to day needs for you know X, Y, and Z artists. Um, but you got to move back to Nashville. I need you here. I'm based out of Nashville. The office is here. I don't want to do a, like a remote thing. Yeah. You got to be here. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was like, shit. Yeah. yeah. You're like I finally feel I, at home here. Yeah. Like yeah. I love New York. Exactly. And I had just met somebody mm-hmm. who I was starting to fall in love with. Yeah. And you know, I had just met two of my closest friends in the world mm-hmm. and we had really, we're starting to get really close and, you know, I was kind of in the groove yeah. of, of my, my New York thing and, you know, but I was like, okay, this is by far the best opportunity and what I'm interested in doing. Yeah. Like I felt like management was definitely what I wanted to do and yeah. kind of move in towards and like, because with, with Ella's management, like I just always wanted to ask, well, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Like what, okay, so what's the strategy behind this? Why right. are we doing promo now? Why are we doing this radio thing then? Like, I don't mean like during the day, like what time of the day? I mean like why in the whole, <laughs> in the whole, you know, scope of her career, what is this? How do you, okay, so we're setting up a record. How do we do that? Yeah. 
like so you know I would be at the, the things and be assisting but I, I always wanted to know like kind of the the wider thought to it yeah um and that's what you know management does totally. so I mean it makes so much sense for you because it's like you move from artist relations to personal assisting and then you kind of merge those yeah, two yeah 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 exactly um yeah so it kind of felt like a natural um type of shift and really kind of you know the the thing that really made me make the decision to move back to Nashville is that my twin sister you know had gotten married mm-hmm. um had moved to Nashville and then I immediately moved to New York so we <laughs> hardly we we only had a few months overlapping um and so she you know was in Nashville and pregnant with her first oh wow and I just was like I gotta be in my niece's yeah. life you yeah. know just there's just something really pulling me um towards that so I was like you know what I don't want to move back to Nashville it's the first time that I like was like this is an adult decision that's hard but the right decision yeah because all my all the other like kind of like adult decisions I had made before that were Mm -hmm. so easy yeah like going to Belmont and Nashville scary easy though exciting right was like once I saw Belmont I was like this is yes yeah the most exciting decision and then like you know, working for Neustria is like, of course, I already was. Right. And then <laughs> moving to, to New York, York it, it's still all of it were like these easy like opportunities where I was like resounding yes. Yeah. Easy decision. Yeah. But this was like, okay. Now you have options. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can stay in New York yeah. and become broke and way more desperate and probably like end up maybe, I mean, I wouldn't have, I would, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Who knows? So I could stay in that kind of unknown. Yeah on a tipping t- a ticking time clock of that severance running up yep or move to nashville which you don't want to do right but there are all these good things yeah there's a great job family niece coming all right. that stuff yeah um yeah so adult so be adult there for my niece i gotta i know be financially stable yeah no. so adult yeah. but it's been a good de- decision mm-hmm. and you know living here it's about what i expected like, I'm happy. My day-to-day is happy. Yeah. But I don't really love Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel passionate about this city. Yeah. You're itching to get back to New York or... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like it. I yeah. don't love it. Right. Like, it's just every time, like, I'm in New York. I And I've been three... It's what? It's, it's May 1st, and I've already been to New York three times this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I go... I take any excuse I can to go. I love it. And yeah. every time I'm there, I'm like, oh, yeah. I love this. I miss this. But, um, you know, Nashville's where I'm supposed to be right now. Yeah. And I love my work. It's awesome. I love being close to family. I mean, my niece is just, just the joy of my, like, it sounds so cheesy, but I I just truly am so ridiculously in love with her. Mm -hmm. And I love hanging out with her. So fun. And being near her. And to think that I would have missed out. On that, you know, and just seeing her a couple times a year, like, yeah. is devastating. I mean, even my, like, little cousins that are, like, not even my first cousins, yeah. I feel, when they're growing up, I'm like, crap, I'm missing everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, if my sister had a baby, yeah, I would be, oh, want to yeah. be there for every second of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And, like, May, who's my niece, like, mm-hmm. I mean, she's really, talk about, like, next level of me becoming an adult. Yeah. Is, like, you know, when you, when you love a child and feel responsible for her in mm-hmm. some ways like not that I'm her parents but I I do watch her a lot yeah. and stuff like I don't know there's just I think it kind of naturally forces like 
and introspection. Totally. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, what am I doing with my time? Yes. What really matters? Yeah. What matters? Yeah. And like, like, I don't know. Sometimes I just think about like, I would be ashamed if May knew this about me when she's older. Oh. Well, I probably shouldn't do that then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, keep, it like keeps you accountable weirdly. Yeah. yeah. And like, I want to be a role model for her yeah. and I want to be good for her. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I want to teach her things mm-hmm. and I, I want to be a stable person for her yeah. you know and like i'm not even her parent yeah i'm her aunt right like it's just it's crazy how kids can just shift your kind of mindset and i, I wasn't expecting it that much yeah with her but she That's really so has cool. it's so powerful it really is yeah. it really really is so fun yeah. yeah what other questions you got so being a female in the music industry is sometimes not the best a little bit you know, patronizing or you feel, I mean, we were talking about how we feel like these people that we work with aren't even our colleagues. And I think that has to do with my age sometimes, but also being a woman too. I feel a little like I can't stick up for myself. So have you ever felt that? Or do you have an example of how you've maybe overcome that? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, music industry is interesting in that, like, I mean, obviously there's been like massive persecution just in work in general Mm -hmm. for women um i feel like the music industry is a bit behind (laughs) and that even just like just ratio wise and representatives like like it's so many meetings i'm the only woman and that's like i've become very used to that yeah you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think just as far as like representation it's just crazy but you know it it's kind of like all the typical stuff. Like I just, I'm so sick of people being like, thank you, dear. In emails. Thank you, sweetie. Like, what? No. Like, I'm not your dear or your sweetie. (laughs) No. Like I'm paying you to run an ad campaign. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sending you something you need and you can say thank you. Yeah. And that's it. Like, (laughs) yeah. Gosh. You know, um, but I haven't, I've been very, very lucky to, um, work with, some really, really awesome men in mm-hmm. the industry who are yeah. kind of actively fighting that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Chris Moon, who's my mm-hmm. boss at Noise Trade, the most wonderful, wonderful man. And he made me feel nothing less than supported and um, completely appreciated totally. for all my work. And, you know, he's just incredible. He's, he's such a feminist and yeah. amazing. And, you know, my current boss, Aaron is just like that as well. Mm-hmm. He's quite a feminist and, That's awesome. um, you know, is really thoughtful about words he uses mm-hmm. and just all of that. Because, you know, for a lot of like white men who grew up in the South, like they have to be thoughtful about not yes. saying thanks, sweetie. Thanks, dear. Right. My boss always calls me his colleague. Yeah. To that. everybody he introduces me to. This mm-hmm. is my colleague, Hannah. Love that. That's incredible. Yeah. That's so simple. It's one word, but... So simple, so professional, just... Exactly. But that, yeah. like, that is so huge for me. And, yeah. like, it, it makes me feel so much more comfortable than him being like, here's my assistant or here's my day-to-day. No. He, yes. Here's my colleague. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy s- that just one word can just, just like... Just the language. It's incredible. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember my dad saying, like, oh, yeah, I had my girl send it over. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, I'm in my secretary. <laughs> that girl. You're like, no. 
Yeah. Yeah. But like that, like my girl, like, oh, have your girl send it over. People just say that because yeah. it was always female secretary. So yeah. like, he like didn't realize he was still using that term. Right. I mean, yeah. and it, it's appropriate. Like she's the only woman who works for him. But right. like, yep. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like I would feel terrible if my boss said that right. to another person. Like, yeah. My girl will bring it over. Yeah. There's just like an ignorance of like what that means. But it's like. Yeah. Yeah. It's just terrible yeah it's just the history of misogyny in like one phrase it's terrible yeah um yeah so i've been i've been very fortunate but you know like i i am very very close with um people who work on the road like women who Mm. are lighting directors tour managers production managers monitor techs all that kind of stuff and that is crazy they have some crazy crazy stories of just constant because like the audio and live world of music it's, it's just 99% male. Yes. Yeah. It is so beyond male. Yeah. Driven and oriented and run. Like, it's just, it, I mean, it's truly crazy. Yeah. So, you know, they, you know, I, I have a friend who goes by Larry. Her name's Lauren. She goes by Larry. So she'll get responses to emails. Oh, God. Literally. That's crazy. So it's Larry, you know, at Gmail instead of Lauren because she wasn't wow. getting responses from venues because they thought that. You know, if her name was Lauren and she's a tour manager, she's not going to be as good as if her name's Larry and a oh tour manager. It's crazy, yeah. truly. Um, so I know there is real, really difficult sexism there that's yeah. going to be continuing for a long time. And not that it's not in the other parts of the industry, but like, right. you know, I've been lucky enough to like, I haven't, as far as my day to day, right? I don't feel it quite as much. Um, yeah, I don't either. I, I feel lucky in that, but... It- Anytime I felt belittled is by an audio engineer, 100%. Oh. Just uh, like playing a show, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that where it's like you plug it in here and you're like, yeah, I got it. And yes, we were just talking. We we set up these mics. Yeah, we did. We plugged them all in. We, we got did. the setup today. Zach, you know, he walked me through it, but <laughs> we did it. And so it's like, yeah, I don't know how to do a lot of things, but I also know the language and I know what I'm trying to say. So just like listen to me and then we can figure it out instead of just like assuming that I don't know anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, especially like female, like tour managers and line directors and stuff that is their livelihood. And they're, yeah. they have to be good at their jobs because they won't be hired if they're not. Exactly. Especially as a woman, like that is something like I've always felt like, okay, I have to do what the guy's doing so much better to even be considered. Yeah. Um, just cause it just is a male driven industry yeah. and there's a lot of reasons for that, you know? Um, but I'm hopeful for what the future brings. And, you know, I mean, some of the most just incredibly brilliant people I know in the music industry now are women. Yeah, same. And it's 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 not, definitely not a boys club anymore. I think it's been really, really interrupted in a great way. And definitely. not that, you know, like I want great men working in the industry. Right. It's not like get them all out. You know? No, like yeah. great. But like right. you have to be great. Exactly. Yeah. And great women should work in the industry too exactly. because they are great. And like representation is reflected by treatment. It's not about like we need to have every, you know, 50-50% for every company at the music. Like, no, like you need to have the most qualified, best fit person. Right. But it's it's the way that people are or the genders are treated differently that's going to like hinder someone from even applying to it. So it's right. like I think people get caught up in the like, yeah, no, but the best person should win. Yes, but also... Right. It's, it's a systemic treatment. Well, yeah. yeah. And part of this systemic problem mm-hmm. is education. Yeah. 
which, you know, I mean, like still so much of the audio world is just a boys club because it's run by men for men Mm -hmm. and only men apply because that's just what you see. Yeah. Like, yeah. But women are just as capable, you know, and yeah. And, you know, the the tides are changing, but not quick enough. I mean, I'm just, I'm, the numbers of times, like, that female TMs walk into a venue, Mm -hmm. and the venue owner says, a a tour manager, manager, sorry, sorry. (laughs) tour manager Mm -hmm. walks into a venue, you know, and this is, this is her show. Yeah. She's advanced the show. She's going to run the show. She's going to work with the, the venue contact to to run the entire show yeah. and she's literally the boss of the building yeah. when she walks in that's what a tour manager does right they, they are the boss yes and the number of times the female tms i know who've walked into the venue and the venue owner says oh wait are you the merch person no God. well what are you doing here Where, are you boss? doing vip yeah no, I'm the tour manager. What? No, I advanced it. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah, I went. I go by Larry. But that's me. <laughs> you, I'm the one you've been emailing. Oh, you are. Okay. I know. It's like <laughs> no, and like SM goes by SM because yeah. she can't be Sarah Margaret. Oh my god. Because she won't get responses to emails, and then she shows up. Are you you're SM? Yeah, it stands for Sarah Margaret. What? Yeah. What's up? Yeah, and yeah. she's like, I'm ready to run this show. And yeah. they're like, are you sure, honey? Do you need some? And it's just, if it was a man, it would never even, would never even they would never mind. ask that question. No. It's just truly crazy. No. Crazy. Yeah. It's but, like a it's like a motocross moment. You ever see that Disney Channel movie? Yes, but I don't remember any of it. <laughs> I think that's my favorite, like, decom. Oh, I like Smart House. Like, oh, I love Smart House, too. But what happened? Yeah, but she she cuts off all her hair to be in the motocross thing and pretends to be a guy, and then it's like revealed at the end. It's like that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Like the email is all male, and she's that like, now. "It's me, yeah. bitch." Like, <laughs> I'm Larry. I am Larry. Yeah, <laughs> that's. Awesome. But isn't that crazy? That's Just the principle of that. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I will say, like, it is just. I mean, a normal thing that I'm having to deal with with female clients Mm -hmm. is stalkers um you know threats that is like a very very normal thing all my female clients like we have some names and pictures on the writer saying don't let this person in the venue yeah because they've done x y and z that's proven they're you hear about the taylor swift thing with no okay so apparently at one of her or maybe her whole all of her shows in the past um her past tour the reputation tour there was a like a video recognizing system that like when you walked in it, wow. it like it was portrayed as something to like look at like maybe it was a graphic or something and it would recognize people's faces because wow. it would like deny people and some people were like that's really an invasion of privacy and all this stuff and like maybe but like yeah she's trying to protect t- herself and trying to protect everyone it's like yeah. who knows who's gonna come and like shoot up the stadium you know no, totally um but totally. it's crazy that you have to do that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, just for example, I mean, like, one of my female clients gave out her email because her partner, um, who's also a full-time musician and touring mm-hmm. artist, he gives out his email all the time to fans, um, like to male fans or female asking could I email you about this very certain guitar technique that I'm having problems with and you seem to be good at? And, yeah. Oh, yeah, no problem. Here's my email. That's sweet. And he's, you know, 
they ask a question he sends an answer thank you so much great talking that's it yeah over and over and over he's done this and so she was like you know kind of watching him do that i was like okay well and so our next show a guy came up and was like such a fan blah 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 i have some lyric ideas can i have your email and she'd usually be like hell no you know but she was like you know what let's sure let's do it yeah this one time let's do it yeah turned into a complete and utter nightmare and we had to do some pi work on this guy and all this stuff because it became like it escalated very quickly yeah and you know he's threatening to go to her apartment and all this stuff and somehow had found her address and things ended up being fine but just it was just this crazy realization of like still what men think they're allowed to say to women and demand from women yeah even just from an email address right it's crazy yeah and it's like it's not these like psychos that you like that's doing that that's a guy that she met at her show that like she felt comfortable giving her email address to. so it's not even like she had a bad feeling about him or anything no it could be anybody exactly and it is just the the level of harassment and just like messages that my female artists get compared to what my male artists get because i'm the one like you know like checking the facebook like inbox and all that shit that nobody ever looks at (laughs) that artists would never look at but Mm -hmm. i'm looking at that stuff and it's truly appalling the difference and i think that alone Mm -hmm. is the biggest kind of realization and difference that i've seen as far as like how incredibly careful female artists have to be about meet and greets yeah even like the the simplest of things of like going to your merch table after the show and signing Mm -hmm. like that has to be talked through yeah and like it's scary yeah like it's scary for female artists because there's always that guy who like tries to grab your boob in the picture or whatever or is persistent about getting your email that you have to give a fake one to or whatever and like it you know i've just seen not that you know, male artists and male celebrities don't get that. But right. just as far as like the ratio and the level yes. of like, it is a guarantee for female artists. Yeah. And it's not for right. males. No, And it's, that's just like been so truly mind blowing. Yeah. To all of it, you know, and thankfully like nothing has escalated. Like I've, I've never seen something terrible happen yeah. um, to a female artist I worked with, but it's like, it's a fear and um it's really really crazy yeah really crazy so scary truly just even on social media it's crazy the difference oh yeah i mean just like you have to do a protected account or you have to block people from your story or like yeah because i mean it's so people can just see into your lives like so Uh. easily um yeah it's sad that like that that's even a thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to do plugs at the end. So any, and you can do multiple if you want. You know, okay. artists that you're into, an album, a podcast. Okay, it can be anything. Yeah, and if you can, and you can plug, you know, something for yourself too. You know, if you want to yeah. plug like your Twitter handle or something, or yeah. No, um, <laughs> definitely don't follow me on Twitter. I never. Tweet. <laughs> I was about to say I don't think you I just follow like, people. You're you're like a 2012 tweeter. Like yeah, I'm a 2012 you go to your tweeter. And, exactly. Yeah. I mean like no lie like i check like trump's twitter every day it's like a terrible masochist like habit so i just have to know yeah what he's saying yeah i have to know but i'm like always so depressed yeah when i finish scrolling yeah um 
Okay, so plugs. So check out uh, Donald Trump's Twitter. <laughs> at real, at Donald, real Donald Trump. Trump. <laughs> um, don't follow the POTUS one. It's not as interesting. No. It's not the real one. Yeah. Um, now, well, something that's like completely revolutionized my life is this podcast called Up First. I listen to it like every morning. Yes. Yes. It was um like suspended today and people were freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it's so good. So good. Yeah. And for you listeners who don't know what it is, it's an NPR podcast that is the news, mm-hmm. basically. And it goes live at like what, like 5 a.m. Central so. like or 4 a.m. Like super early. I'm never, ever awake then. <laughs> right. It's um, always ready for me in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And they just give a summary of whatever news happened the day before and mm-hmm. then kind of what to you know look out for so like this morning they were like you know the bar stuff's happening and yeah so i knew to like okay be checking up in on that and watch it if i could like it's just but it's completely changed yeah just my entire world view yeah. because like i've never consistently had a way that like i've enjoyed like digesting news yes same like ever no and i don't I was into enjoy like the reading. skim for a while yeah. but then i was like i don't want to read this every morning and yeah it's like yeah. i just could never get in the flow but it's like my my work commute's 12 minutes yeah and usually at first is 12 to 13 11 yep. to 13 minutes so it's literally perfect like i crave it like on the weekends i miss it so much i yep. feel like i'm not connected um but it's the best thing and it's 12 minutes long. It's so good. I can't recommend it enough. And they're so like unbiased too. They just yeah. literally, I mean, they'll give opinions, but it's more like, I don't know about that. Okay. Yeah. Next well, thing. Well, it's the most NPR. It's like, here's a thought from the right. Here's a thought from the left. That's yes. much better. But right. yeah, that maybe is a little more. But they're both. Yeah. Um, exactly. I love it. Yeah. That. No, it's, it's great. And then also, I mean, this isn't like an up and coming artist, mm-hmm. but I, Lizzo, like she is. I mean, I've been saying for a while she's about to pop, and I think yeah. she's about popped. But, like, <laughs> I, like I think she's about she's made about it. about popped. You know, it's like... Well, I saw that she was... I was looking at my, like, iTunes the other day because I couldn't use Spotify for a second, so I had yeah. all this, like, old music on there. And I think on, like, a Noise Trade Hangout mixtape, yep. she was on there, and I was like, yeah. never did not know who she was then. Yeah, Liz yeah. has been around for a while. Yeah. And, like... She's just somebody, I felt this way for about a year, but I'm just like, you're going to be a household name. Yeah. Like I really, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's happening. And I'm, and I'm really excited to see like somebody who's so unapologi- unapologetically just wonderful. Yes. And herself yep. and fierce. And she challenges me in all the right ways, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as like a white woman yeah. who's constantly... I mean, I'm so incredibly privileged. Yes. And like it, it almost feels, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I just, sometimes I even feel bad about talking about like persecution because I feel like I'm so privileged compared to so many people. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, I think the best explanation I heard for white privilege is like, cause people were like, what does that mean? Like for like a white poor person, they're not privileged. And it's like it doesn't mean that like you're not going to go through hard things or that life is not hard for white people or certain white people, but your the color of your skin is never going to be the reason for that hardship. Right. So it's like, yep, that's something that you're never going to be able to understand or escape. And yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, totally. But yeah. So I think Liz is just, I think she's doing so many important things yeah. and she's just, and her album is She's so just a good. badass. Yes. I mean, 
her sound went out at Coachella, and so she played the flute a cappella <laughs> to <laughs> Juice. Who like, is she? She played the flute a cappella, and her backup dancers danced, and she sang a cappella. And she was like, if they're not going to do it right, I'm going to do it right. And she played like her biggest hit right now with only the flute and vocals. <laughs> like, that amazing. is so cool. Yes. Like, she's unflappable. Unbelievable. Unflappable. I need to watch it. Yeah. So, yeah. Lizzo, Lizzo, Lizzo. Yes. Lizzo, Lizzo, Lizzo. Also, been really into triathlon. Not okay. the sport. The yeah, music. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> been really into, like, doing triathlon. Doing triathlons, no. Um, the band, triathlon. They're just kind of that sweet spot of, like, that Brooklyn bedroom, synthy, kind of dreamy, sleepy rock pop love that I just love. And I know it's so stereotypical Brooklyn thing to love, but I just yeah. love it, you know? Own it. So yeah, triathlon, they're cool. And another fun fact, I was, like, trying to read about them the other day, and they're, like, so stupid and indie. Yeah. Like, their about section on Spotify is Ryan Gosling. <laughs> like, his life story. His life story. That's awesome. And I was like, wait, he's not in this band. No. Yeah. You're like, they just copy and pasted that shit because they don't care. That's amazing. Like, I would hate them if i was managing oh, them yeah. but i love it as a fan exactly i love it yeah i know it's so funny bands that could just get away with that i'm like i hate you but i, I love you well it they they can't even though like yeah not, like pitchfork loves them mm-hmm. and like they have a booking agent but like they're not they're not, <laughs> they're not like... doing that well <laughs> yeah <laughs> so everyone go listen to them so they could do well yeah exactly yeah, i'll check it out check it out well cool well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Monica. So Thank fun. you. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Anytime. Mwah.